Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, hi, C3 family. It is really good to have the opportunity to be sharing with you again. It's a real honor. We are continuing this series, Everyday Wisdom, looking at ancient wisdom, 3,000-year-old wisdom from the book of Proverbs and realizing that that wisdom from old is so applicable for us in our everyday lives today. And as we've navigated the challenges and crises of uh, recent weeks. And this week, we're thinking about wisdom regarding money, uh, wisdom-fueled financial health, if you will. Now, you might ask the question, why on earth are you talking about money um, at a time like this? Well, Well, first of all, everyone's talking about money. At the beginning of the crisis, it was said that this was not just a health crisis, but it was an economic crisis as well, with all kinds of ramifications in our everyday lives and indeed our spending. But also, I want to say before we dive into this, that I want to approach this subject thoughtfully, carefully, and with sensitivity. Uh, Steve and Angie uh, and Kay and I were discussing this just before this broadcast and realizing that for many of us, there are real anxieties right now about the macro economy, the domino effect of all that's going to be, that's been going on and will be continuing. Uh, and then, uh, as well as that, many individuals who were worried about their jobs, paying the mortgage or the rent, savings, what's happening to their retirement. So. So in approaching this subject, please know that I do not want to just woodenly lay out a set of principles, uh, but rather be very conscious of the challenges that so many uh, of us are facing. But we do need to come back to the truth of Scripture at times like this. And so as we've been thinking about wisdom from the book of Proverbs, we turn to a passage in Proverbs which is the one section of the book that sounds most like a prayer. And interestingly, it's about money and finance. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9 says this, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die, remove far from me falsehood and lying, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. It's a story that I've been fond of telling, so you may have heard it before, but uh, a few years ago, Kay and I were uh, in America and we were on our way to a a, uh, a Christmas event uh, to speak at a church, and uh, we, we, we hit a rock or something, and, and our tire, one of our tires exploded, and the vehicle was, was uh, wandering all over the road. We managed to pull it to the side of the road, and um, C3 family people will know, because I've preached here quite a lot, I am useless when it comes to practical stuff, so the thought of changing a tire was completely beyond me. 
And so finally, we, uh, having called the breakdown people, they came out and the lovely person who was going to change our tyre, the mechanic, he said, uh, Mr. Lucas, this problem has happened in a pretty dangerous part of the, of the highway. The, the traffic is going by very quickly. He said, can you help me by trying to slow people down while I get out there in the road and change your tyre? And I wasn't quite sure what to do, but I decided uh, to try this. I, I located myself about um, 20 meters uh, in front of where he, our car was, where he was fixing it. And I'm standing at the side of the road just uh, using the international sign for slow down, uh, which kind of goes like this. You might want to remember this if it ever happens to you. And of course, there were some people who were quite confused, thinking, why is that bloke worshipping us from the side of the road? But what really interested me was how some people responded by doing exactly the opposite of what I was asking them to do. Instead of slowing down, they speeded up. Um, and, and some of them honked their horns and, and shook their fists and some even shared gesticulations unfamiliar in the Christian community. So what was going on there? What was going on is that people were irritated because I was taking their time, like five seconds of their time. And their attitude was one of grabbing. Don't, don't slow me down. Don't get in my way. Get out of my way. This is my road. You, you interfere with my journey and I'm going to break your face. It was a grabbing attitude. It seems to me that often that's the prevailing attitude that if we're not careful, never mind the culture out there, that attitude can infiltrate our own hearts. And, and, and people can adopt this philosophy. He who has the most toys or dies with the most toys wins. Or, or look after number one. Or maybe you've heard this one. Or charity begins at home. I think we need to realize right at the start that, that when we come to the issue of money, we are looking for wisdom which is often completely at odds with popular wisdom. In fact, James chapter 3 tells us that there are two kinds of wisdom available to us. There's godly wisdom and there's devilish, earthly, unspiritual, even demonic wisdom. And, and that wisdom often includes envy and selfish ambition. The reality is this, we are called to align ourselves with wisdom that comes from heaven. We are called to live counterculturally. Romans 12, 1 and 2, which tells us not to be conformed with the world. We are by nature non-conformists who are called by God to, a, to march to a different drumbeat. And actually, as the church throughout history has done that, that's exactly how the church has made an impact. Have you ever thought, how did the early church reach its world with its message of the good news without printing presses, without Facebook, without texting, without TV and radio? Well, here's what happened. The early church marched to a different drumbeat when it came to spending themselves, not just their money, but actually their own lives, for the sake of others. The early church was birthed in a, uh, a Roman culture uh, where the approach to money was described as liberates. Let me explain that. Liberates worked like this. If you were a a person of means, then you could, you could give to somebody else, but you would only give to someone else if they ultimately might have the means to reciprocate. 
um, down the line somewhere. A sort of you scratch my back, uh, I'll scratch yours sort of approach. So giving was seen to be an investment. And that worked really well unless you were a widow or an orphan. If you were poor, you had nothing to give. But the early church broke that broke step with that cultural norm. And actually, in times of plagues and viruses, they stood in faith fearlessly and they sacrificed themselves consistently. And that accelerated the, the effective sharing of the message of the gospel. Gordon MacDonald says, in a heartless world, the generosity and service of the first Christian generations was such a stunning contrast that people everywhere sat up and took notice. And I believe that we're living at a time, obviously, of challenge, where if we can get this right and live according to God's wisdom, then there will be many people who sit up and take notice, not of us, but of the Jesus whom we serve. Let's be honest about it. Sometimes it can be very difficult to talk about money. And uh, in the church, uh, Christian leaders, we can struggle to preach about it. We feel like it's going to get people offended. It's maybe not terribly polite. But then we realize that in the Bible, there are around 2,350 statements, verses, about handling money and possessions compared with about 500 each on prayer and faith. So the Bible doesn't back off in any way from the challenge of talking and instructing about money. On the contrary, sometimes we don't talk about money because the TV evangelists have made their false promises and gone to ridiculous extremes. Not only really taking money from people with false promises, but preaching a delusion about what true prosperity is as if we're supposed to just give so that we can get, and that will make us prosperous. But the Bible takes a different view on holistic prosperity. And then sometimes people have said, well, money is the root of all evil, but money is neutral. Money is not the root of all evil, and the problem is not in the pound coin. The problem is in our hearts, because it is the love of money and the love of anything that starts in our own hearts. That's the source the root of all evil. So as we just dive into this uh, over the next few minutes, can we be open to the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, demolishing false wisdom in our own hearts, thinking, practice, reinforced often by popular culture? Can we ask the Holy Spirit to establish different patterns of thinking and faith and generosity. What, is, what can we learn ancient wisdom from Proverbs about money? The first one is this. Let's first of all know the limitations of money and, and make sure that money doesn't become the priority of our lives. When we look in Proverbs, we see that there are other things that matter more than money. Money makes the world go round, it's needed, but it's not to be our singular priority. And so right relationships are important. Proverbs 15 verse 16, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. 
and and then recognizing that that God is to be the most important priority of our lives. Proverbs 22, 2, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The recognition that just making money should not be our priority because we are people of eternity. And treasure in heaven um, is supposed to be more important. Proverbs 23, verse 4, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Actually, in Proverbs, we're told not just to generally prioritize God, but we're also told to prize wisdom, which is why this series is so important. Wisdom above money. Proverbs 8.10, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Again, harmony in relationships, a priority. Proverbs 15, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it, better a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. So let's first of all ask the question, is money... Although we need it, is money my number one priority in life? And if it is, we need to ask God's help to get priorities rightly aligned. Secondly, let's realize that we are called, while not making money our priority, we are called to manage it responsibly. To manage it responsibly. My mum, bless her, she wasn't the greatest cook, and one of the reasons for that is because she could never be bothered to read the instructions on the side of the packet, which means that I experienced some totally horrifying meals. And when concentrated washing powder came out, uh, where you only had to put a tiny bit in rather than a whole cup full, we found ourselves up to our armpits in suds. Why? Because she didn't read the instructions. And she just thought, well, it'll all be all right in the end. It will all work out. It, it, and it didn't all work out, uh, let me assure you. We can take a careless attitude towards money. The bill arrives in red lettering and we, we toss it in the drawer. And we can even say, well, I'll just trust God with that and abdicate from the responsibility of properly managing money. But faith is not about abdication. It is about diligence. And so Proverbs 10, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. It's about saving wherever we can. Proverbs 21, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And then budgeting, taking care of what we have and budgeting appropriately and perhaps adjusting, obviously, to the current challenges. Proverbs 27, be sure you know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. It's also about buying things of quality when we can and when we're able. The Proverbs 31 woman, she considers a field and buys it. She inspects property, and after careful thought, she buys it. Uh, This is uh, about wherever possible, buying thoughtfully and intelligently things that will last uh, rather than just buying cheaply. However we approach that, what we are called to do is manage and steward, steward our finances. Thirdly, 
Let's know that God is our ultimate source and trust him. Easy to say, more challenging, I know, to do. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. And I remember 30-odd years ago feeling the call of God to come back from America at that time and, um, and not really have any reliable, consistent form of support. We've been taken care of generously, but um, uh, Kay and I have not lived on a full-time salary for the last 30 years. Again, God has blessed us, uh, blessed us and has been kind, but there have been crisis moments where we've had to ask the question, are we trusting God for our provision? Uh, a time which many of us are especially facing right now. But the recognition that what we have is God's and that he is ultimately our supplier, that's got to ring true in our hearts at this time. And our experience has been that God has been kind. He is the provider. Fourthly, let's consider our motives for making money. What is it uh, that drives us? Now, it might be that at a time like this, the simple answer to that is, well, I, I just need to, to pay the bills. But let's pan the camera back because this time too shall pass. Why is it that we want more? Is it, is it about social status, uh, status and, and keeping up with the Joneses? I don't know who the Joneses are, but sometimes we want to keep up with them. Proverbs 12, better to be a nobody and yet have, have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Proverbs 13, one person pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. Let, let's also realize that sometimes our motives for wanting more is just simple greed. We just want more because we want more. Proverbs 27, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. It's been said that wealth is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. So let's ask God to purify our motivation for wanting more. Let's also realize, especially in this time of challenge, that the wisdom from Proverbs tells us that how we make money matters. At the beginning of this crisis, a friend of mine said, we will see the best in people and we will see the worst in people. And the scammers have continued to do their dreadful work alongside countless thousands of other good news stories of people who have cared and shared and sacrificed for each other, shopping for those who have been self-isolated and spending themselves endlessly during this season. How we make money matters, doing so with honesty. Proverbs 10, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Uh, realizing that uh, when this crisis is over, it might take uh, some time and hard work to get things back onto a secure footing and being realistic about that. Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And, and, and yes, that will take some hard work. Proverbs 13, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I think the last thing that I, I need to share as we consider wisdom from Proverbs about money is that God cares about how we spend our money because ultimately what we have 
belongs to him anyway. Our, our priorities, yes, our, our giving, putting God first in our finances. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, it's a particular challenge at this time of economic leanness to consider ensuring that we are still wanting to honour God carefully with our finances, that we are not just post-dating our commitment to financial giving. And again, I say that with sensitivity, realizing the challenges and the needs, but asking God how in our current circumstances can we truly, uh, truly honor him. To wrap this up, I come back to where I started, which was this picture of the early church uh, expressing the gospel through practical care and kindness and generosity. Generosity is spoken of in Proverbs. Proverbs 11:24 24 to 25. One person gives freely, yet another gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. In a study called The Paradox of Generosity, uh, this statement was made about the way that we approach giving broadly. Let me quote from that study. The more generous we are, the more happiness, health, and purpose in life we enjoy. This association between generous practices and personal well-being is strong and highly consistent across a variety of types of generous practices and measures of well-being. We have excellent reason, the study says, we have excellent reason to believe that generous practices actually create and enhance personal well-being. The association between generosity and well-being is not accidental or spurious. In other words, at this time where there's been a lot of gloom and despair, not just in terms of money, but in the giving of ourselves away to others, rather than that grabbing, grasping attitude, there is joy to be found in those actions. And as followers of Jesus, that should be something that we are modeling. Gordon MacDonald says, profound conversion of heart produces generosity. I want to end this message by sharing a moment that I encountered here at C3. Um, just watching um, the sharing of food at the food bank here today and the lineup of uh, people that came for help. And I just overheard one snippet of a conversation where uh, a lady looked so relieved as she stepped up to receive those groceries. And she said to the person, serving behind the table. She said, you guys are little angels. You're little angels. And uh, frankly, it, it made me want to cry because I saw the beauty, the simple beauty of people, not just God's people, because obviously the food bank is funded broadly by the generosity and giving of others across all ranges of faith and, and none. But as we share, as we give, 
then there is a world that says there's some angels right there ready to help us out. Proverbs 19 verse 17 says, Whoever's kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Ending this time together in God's Word, I want to return again to the very real pastoral need that there is. And that is that some watching right now are very concerned about your finances, your mortgage, your savings, your retirement, all of these financial issues. I would like for us to pray together as a community about those challenges as well as for our broader community. So let's pray right now. Father, you care. And you have told us that your care for us is practical. We read in your word that you will supply all our needs according to your riches in glory. There is no poverty with you. There is abundance. We pray for those whose hearts are really troubled right now because they are concerned about their inability to just make life work with the practical needs of paying the bills and putting food on the table. Grant your peace, your grace, your provision. As we are able, Lord, may it be that we are able to model and practice authentic, true, and even sacrificial generosity that a, a world might look at us and see a God of whom it's said, for God so loved the world that he gave. May we model that kind of self-sacrifice and generosity. Finally, Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for our nation and the nations. And we pray for those who are in power, who hold the economic purse strings of the nations. And we ask you to grant them wisdom and understanding that we might flourish even in this time of challenge and even leanness. May we live our lives according to your wisdom, your word, and your ways. Please help us by your spirit, we pray. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.